your Locked On Avalanche, your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Avalanche podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Chris Maselli. With me, as always, is Mr. Shaggy Von Doom, Kyle Sullivan. On today's episode, we will be discussing, obviously, the Avalanche 4-1 to loss to the Dallas Stars. We will be getting to our sound check as well, kind of our songs that kind of uh, summarize this game. And we will be discussing Claude Giroux, because is he on the way to Denver? Uh, it's possible, I mean, but it's possible he doesn't. So uh, kind of I'll be discussing that. I also, before we get started, want to let everybody know uh, this is one of two episodes that will be dropping today. Uh, we recorded a crossover episode with Tony from Locked On Vegas Golden Knights. And obviously that's relevant to today because with the abs having a back-to-back, they're playing right away uh, today. They have no time to to rest, um, which I think I might have just changed my song because of what I was just saying. Ooh. I don't know. I have to think about that now. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I think, you know what? I think I have. All right, whatever. But uh, because of that, you know, you're going to get uh, this episode now where we're talking about reviewing the game. And then at noon Mountain Time, 2 o'clock Eastern, that episode with Tony will also drop. So a double dip today for Locked On Avalanche. The more the merrier. You betcha. All right. First things first, thank you for making this your first listen of the day. Always appreciated. Follow the show on social media outlets, LOP on underscore Avalanche on Twitter, Locked On Avalanche on Instagram. Uh, questions, comments, concerns, opinions, locked on avalanche at gmail.com and follow the show's YouTube channel over on YouTube. Hit subscribe, get notified when a new show goes live. Avalanche go down four to one. Like I said, they uh, lose their first game in the calendar year of 2022, their first regulation loss in 2022. And I'm not upset with the way that they played. Sometimes you're just going to do that. You're going to play well and run into a goalie that has your number and and has everything on lockdown. And and that's what they ran into with Ottinger tonight. And he is the future of the stars, and maybe this is his jumping off point. I'm not terribly upset. I mean, you're upset over the loss, but you're not upset because they played poorly. Power play, we'll get to that. But overall, I thought they were okay. Yeah, it was – I mean, especially if you double up a team on shots, you expect to put up more on the scoreboard. But – it was a night of bad puck luck, and especially off the last Dallas Stars game, it's a tale of two goalies for both yeah. teams. Um, Pavel didn't have the greatest night, but boy, Ottinger did. <laughs> he looked, I mean, yeah, he, he's he's the future for them, uh, yeah. and he, he looked fantastic. I'm getting updates uh, as we're recording this because obviously we're doing this very shortly after the game is over. The, the Joe, Joe Pavelski second goal, the one that was reviewed, or, or challenged by the avalanche mm-hmm. where it looked like Pavelski kind of his stick kind of moved Francois. This is coming right from Francois. Uh, he ran into my pad, got me totally off balance. If this isn't goalie interference, I don't know what goalie interference is. Uh, what do you think of that? What do you think? Hon- honestly, that's not a typical hockey answer. Um, 
usually they deflect they don't admit and they just kind of you never hear individual kind of like uh, for lack of a better term whining about something but yeah like if you're going to complain about a call that's 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 football bro like you just <laughs> say hey we were just in bad positions like you go we 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 but don't that's an odd response from Pablo Francis. I mean, you're right. It's refreshing to hear maybe some honesty out of because not only hockey players, you know, there's a lot of a lot of athletes kind of just most of the time will take the high road like mm-hmm. and, and just give you the basic canned answers like, oh, I, I should have made the play. And it's not a, it's not about that. I, you know, I should have been better on the play. I should have had better positioning, however they want to phrase it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every once in a while, you do get a sound bite from a player. And I think this is one of them. I, you know, he ran into my pad, got me totally off balance. And, and and even if I disagree with that, you're right. It is kind of refreshing to to hear some, you know, a, a goalie kind of just come right out and kind of say, no, that is goalie interference. I'm kind of on the fence on that. I mean, you can see he... I, I say I'm on the fence and maybe I'm leaning a little bit more towards, yeah, it was goalie interference. Was it like egregious. I mean, I, Pavelski was making a play too. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of torn on that. Obviously I want it to go the way of the avalanche, but I've seen worse goalie interferences that were not called. And see the thing that really grinds my gears about that whole review was why Pavelski was all there. He, I mean, setting up shop, camping out like that spoke louder to me than the actual play. Like, Pavowski, you know what he can do. There's no way he should be setting up, putting up a mailbox in the blue paint and just camping there. Right. So right. that's a defensive lapse. You're right. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, Avalanche, they, they looked okay. You know, they, they, they were really holding good possession in the offensive zone. Um, I give some credit to Dallas because they were uh, really good at checking them and and getting on avalanche right at the blue line like they yeah. were not they were making it difficult to get into the zone but the avalanche were figuring out ways to do it so yeah. i was impressed by that like as as the the stars were kind of they were doing well not giving the abs time and space uh in in like the neutral zone and in the the dallas offensive zone you know when you know transitioning and stuff like that but once the Avs got the puck in the off- offensive zone, I felt like they were moving the puck around very well. Yeah. They found they found time and space once they got into the offensive zone, which was really bizarre to me because Dallas was shutting down the other two zones, but they couldn't shut down their own offensive zone. And it showed in shots on goal. What the Avs have? 40, 47. Seven, yeah. 47. So you're getting opportunities once you get into the offensive zone, it was a very bizarre game plan for the stars. They escaped with it because they had a hot goalie, but that is not going to work all the time to say, say this is the first round matchup that will not work game in and game out. That's exactly what I was about. That was my big takeaway with this game and hold like we just got done playing Dallas and we looked really good. We walked out of there, shutting them out. This felt like playoff hockey, like, you have time to adjust. You're playing the same team. And Dallas came out with a completely different look and a completely different style. And this is a good test for the Avalanche when it comes to that playoff hockey that we're always that we know it's coming. And that second round that we're always worried about getting through to the next round, 
how do we adjust to teams adjusting to us? Are we that predictable? Are there things that we can work on where we can get through this? And I think the game against Vegas that we have coming up is going to be even better because you have two good games against Dallas and then a formidable foe with Vegas, like just one sleep away. So how do you respond to that is also another thing to look at when it comes to the avalanche. Yeah. And uh, like I said, you mentioned Vegas. Definitely tune into uh, episode number two for today because we definitely talk a lot about mm. what's going on uh, in Vegas world. So uh, more to get to on this game. But first, we're going to hear from Built Bar and BuiltBar.com. And it is the time of the year where the resolutions are all but over and done with. But doesn't mean you can't continue to make Built Bar part of your daily routine and trying to eat right and if you haven't tried their new Built Bar Puffs, uh, you might want to get on that. If you're a marshmallow fan, just like my man Kyle over there is, uh, they're the first ever protein-infused marshmallow bar. They're fluffy, marshmallowy, and they're not just a protein bar. They are a treat covered in 100% real chocolate. So they are low-calorie, high-protein. Replace your candy bars with Built Bar or Built Bar Puffs. And they're better than a typical candy bar, which can have anywhere from two to 300 calories. Built Bars contain about 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. So go to BuiltBar.com or Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your order. Once again, that promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right. Uh, some good plays like, man, we, we were talking about what well, we've always talked about that Kale McCarr move in overtime. If Eric Johnson and mm. Alex Newhook connected on that floating pass that just went over everybody on Dallas, right to Alex Newhook, who tried to backhand it, go five hole on Ottinger and, you know, he shut everything down. Uh, that could have been up for maybe not, you know, goal of the year, but goal of the year for the avalanche. It would have, yeah. been, would have been up there for that, but a uh, very nice play. Yeah. Power play. Oh, for four. That that's an Achilles heel, at least for last night's game. Um, and you want, you get a couple of those and obviously you're in the game, but that's not to say the abs didn't look good on the power play. They, the first one in particular, that first line or the first unit was out there. I think for a, I think there was like 15 seconds before there was a puck stoppage. Yeah, uh, and it's and it was in the zone that entire time. It was never cleared where they had to make a change. That front line was out there cycling the puck, getting shots, and when a rebound was had, they'd collect the rebound and do it again and do it again and do it again. They did everything right but score. And yeah. and that's what you can say about the power play last night. It didn't res- turn return results, and no. that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. Hey, I hey, appreciate yeah. the uh, reference right yeah, there. Yeah. Um, yeah the power play. This has been like this for a little bit, but we've had we've always had the luxury of saying, "Well, the Avs went zero for three or one for four on the power play, but we got the win anyway." Tonight, yeah. you left four goals hanging out there on that power play. Like, 0 for 4, that's four opportunities to get a goal. And this is the moments where you need it. 
especially if you can't get anything five on five because of the physicality that Dallas is bringing. If they're giving you four opportunities to have a man advantage, you have to walk away with at least something because momentum, you're at home. You could feed off that, and the Avalanche have been known to come back. So if you can't, especially the penalty kill, letting up, I think it was two for three on the night. Like, uh, yep. That's that's special teams has was an issue tonight. So for everybody looking good individually, special teams needs to step it up, especially against Vegas. Yeah, and that that's and, and when you you give up an empty netter, which you know is the reason for the four to one score. But yeah, I mean it, you you get half of those. You know you can't expect to go one hundred percent on the power play, but. If you can get two of those, there's your tie game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And uh, it also didn't help. And, and you know, this – a lot of people on social media like to go right to the refs, um, you know, and want to put some blame on the refs. Like, look, like I'm not putting this on the refs because Ottinger had, had a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Avs could have had a five-on-three for 25 seconds had they called – a delay of game, which was a clear as day delay of game. I don't know what they they were not looking at the puck. They they, no. they must have diverted their attention away for a split second, and that's when that puck was. I can't remember who threw it up into the netting, but uh, they didn't call it, and the no. was already on the power play. It would have been a five on three, and and I think at that point and it was three. It was three to one. I think that was in the it was in the third when it happened. But you obviously you cut into that lead. And then clearly you have more of an opportunity because when the goalie's pulled, all you need is that one, not the two at that point in time. Yeah, and especially like hindsight's twenty twenty, like looking at those moments. And I know we were talking about the penalty kill, but for and this is big for me, Nazem Kadri, you gotta get out of the box, buddy. Um yeah, especially not his, game. not his best game for all of the praise we've been giving him so far for career numbers and everything. You can't go in the box in games like this, and you've got to kill. I, and he's a substantial part of the penalty kill, and you can't kill off a penalty if you're in the box yourself. Nope. Nope. Absolutely right. Um, this is uh, coming from Jared Bednar. He thinks that they could have done more around the net in front and and uh, to kind of challenge Ottinger. He thinks more traffic would have helped, but he thinks the d- team did well on five on five. You look at heat maps, uh, if if you go to naturalstattrick.com, mm-hmm. it, it is bright, bright red right in front of the net. Yeah. So I, I don't necessarily agree with him because it seemed like they were, again, they were getting opportunities left and right. Yeah. And it's not just 47 shots on net that were 47 easy saves. Like he made some incredible saves. The one, the Kale McCarr one sticks out in my mind where it was a juicy rebound that went right to McCarr who just rifled it and he got a blocker on it. Yeah. He just flew his arm out and he, and he saved it. And when guys are like that, when guys are having that type of game, you just have to throw your hands up and say like, you keep battling and maybe you can sneak one or two in and tie this thing, but it's going to be a battle and you're never out of it when you're the avalanche, you're never out of it, but it was, it was going to be a struggle tonight. Uh, And, and they, this time, they couldn't they couldn't make it work and it's not going to work all the time and i think those comments coming from bednar was something like that i kind of saw developing in that third period once that lead felt insurmountable and ottinger was playing the way he was every time you got a clean lane 
and a good control on the puck, there was a f- shot fired. And there right. it was like that for a while. So the slot was abandoned. And it was, if you get a clean shot and a clean look, take it. Take it. And the way Ottinger was playing, that wasn't the way you were going to beat him. You had to, having Landeskog well, in the slot would have really helped. Nuke back where he's supposed to be. Just that extra, somebody clearing up a rebound or even fake a shot from the blue line and just dump it down to the slot. You have a much better chance against a hot goalie with a little tic-tac-toe pass than you do a blue line slapper. That's what you were going to have to do. It was yep. going to have to be greasy. It was going to have to be sandpaper. It was going to have to be a, 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 like a, the juicy rebound that McCarr got that you're just going to have yep. to get past him. It's going to be a, a tip on a, a wrist shot from the blue line. It was going to have to be ugly. Mm-hmm. It was, the ads were not getting those pretty goals and those one-timers uh, last night. It, it just wasn't happening. Um, there was a uh, interesting... Quote from Bednar when asked on uh, Vegas and how they're handling the handling the LTIR. Short and sweet. He said, I could care less. That's their team. Yeah. There you go. And he's right. He doesn't host a podcast where we love that stuff. So, um, <laughs> Come on, Betsy. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, so really it was, it was McKinnon with the goal, new hook. And McCarr with the assists on that one goal. And, and, and there you go. Um, in terms of minutes, uh, it's, it's kind of par for the course. McDermott got his – he got seven minutes in. Uh, Tyson Jost had nine minutes and 23 seconds, and there was a point in the third period they came back from commercial on altitude, and when they came back, the camera was on him, and he was kind of getting set up for a face-off. And I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> Tyson Jost is on this team. I didn't see him at all all last night he was invisible yeah you jost was not there Mm. uh comfer i saw him go yeah he was a little bit better i mean i i did notice him kind of uh trying to mix it up um i did even have a shot on goal though let me see um no he didn't And see and you and comfort didn't have a shot on goal I will say on the flip side of this coin, still didn't look great, but trying his best. Berkey, I see what you're doing, bud. Yes, yes. You are you are trying your very best, but we've got to work on finding that net. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I, I thought he was he was battling. He was yeah. absolutely battling. He he was putting in uh, some some good effort there. So uh you're just sometimes you're gonna be on the short end of this every once mm-hmm. in a while. And you know, you, the, the the crappy thing is you have to, to turn right around and, and do it again uh, tonight against an interesting Vegas team. I'll say that. <laughs> so let's uh, hear from Bet Online and Rock Auto, and then we'll get to our sound check and then some uh, Claude Giroux stuff. But Bet Online, football might be over for the season, but basketball is full steam ahead for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it is not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, the NHL, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head 
to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline.net, it's where the game starts. Also brought to you by Rock Auto. And with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brands that their warehouse happens to carry. Well, you have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. It is a family-run business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer. So go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us section so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, so let's get to our sound check. And sometimes the losses are a little bit more interesting than than the victories. So if you're new to the show, after uh, each each Avalanche game, Kyle and I will pick a song that best resembles the the action and summarizes the game uh, that the Avalanche had just won or lost. And in this case, a loss. So who are you going with? And by the way, you can uh, follow this. Uh, we add all these songs to a playlist in Spotify. You can just search L-O-P-N soundcheck and it should come up. So who you got for today, sir? One of my favorite and most underrated bands in the history of the world, Social Distortion. Love them. With uh, Bad Luck. 13 is my lucky number. And we had we had bad luck tonight. Yeah. Um, it was a bad puck luck night, and that song just was the epitome of tonight's output. Yeah, yeah. Like I, said, I think sometimes it's, it's just going to go that way. It, mm-hmm. Puck is just not going to bounce your way, and you get some some bad luck in it. I mean, I think that's perfect. And maybe one of the best cover versions of all time in Ring of Fire. Oh, so good. It's fantastic. Highly, highly underrated 90s grunge band. Yeah. Mike Ness. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, uh, I, yeah, man, I changed mine. I had one all (laughs) set up and then we're doing the intro and I'm like, maybe I'll go that route. So because the abs have to turn right around and play Vegas, uh, there ain't no rest for the wicked. Hey, so uh, cage the elephant. That's a that's a banger. <laughs> yeah, that's a. Uh, if you have the opportunity to see them live, highly highly recommend it. What a show! Really? On. Oh my god! I'm not too big on them. Um, like their albums, I can't listen to from beginning to end. I think they're kind of like a little bit repetitive, but they mm. have some. You know, in each album, they have like really good songs. But live, man, those songs take on a different meaning than the wow. lead singer. I don't know what his name is, but he just goes nonstop. He is a puddle of sweat by the end of it. Check good, good out. man. So, yeah, I'm going Cage the Elephant. Ain't no rest for the wicked, especially play Borderlands, the original. That's uh, kind of like the mm-hmm. song of that video game. Uh, but because they can't. Yeah. They, 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 they have to get up and, and do this again against a very good team. Uh, who is going to be riding an endorphin high because now they have, you know, their their golden boy that they traded for in his first action of the season. And not only is it that, you're going up against 
Colorado Avalanche, who are coming off a loss. You want to give them two losses in a row. So, uh, it's got to be Darcy Kemper versus a haystack with eyeballs on it because they are hurting in the goalie position. Yeah, that's gonna that that could be the Achilles heel for for them. Mm-hmm. In turn, you know, it's it's going to have to. Is that something they're going to have to address? We shall see. Are the Avalanche going to address any needs that they have, mainly in Claude Giroux? He is the the hot name in the the trade atmosphere, especially when it comes to the Avalanche. <coughs> Excuse me. And we talked about it with Seth mm-hmm. last week when we did a crossover with the Wild. You're hearing more and more that it, it, it's, I don't want to say likely to happen, but all the tea leaves are there saying, I would guess the abs are the front runner to this happening. I'll start with, do you think it will there? I honestly, after he told the front office in Philly that it's either Colorado, Minnesota, or St. Louis, it's going to be a two, it's going to be a two person race between us and Minnesota. And which Adrian Dater put that out there Mm -hmm. and you know, whether or not you like Dater or not, like he he usually is very good at, at mm-hmm. his scoops uh, and his reporting. Now, I did hear there are some people in in um, uh, like Hockey Night in Canada that are refuting that, that he never really said that. So I don't know. Right now, it's kind of like back and forth. I think whether or not he said that, I don't think really matters. I think the Avalanche clearly are interested and, and the Flyers are clearly interested because they had scouts at I believe both games at an Avalanche mm-hmm. game and at an Eagles game. So there is mutual uh, interest here. And if I was Claude Giroux and I was picking my teams and where I want to, you know, get a title, Colorado's number one on your list. Like yeah. you could easily just plug and play and go with that. But if the Avalanche don't end up getting Claude Giroux, Listen to the Vegas episode, and you might hear who we should go after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I well, how about this? Who would you give up? Who who would you give up if if you're bringing Claude Giroux in? And keep in mind, it's a rental. I yeah, it's if there's any way that the Avalanche sign him after this year. I would I would easily kick the tires on either Joseph Comfer. Maybe even Jost with Berkey. Um, well, Berkey would would uh, solve the salary cap issue because the Flyers said from well, I don't know if they've said it. From what I've heard, that they said they will retain salary, mm-hmm. and the Abs are going to have to have salary retained. So he's making you know whatever it is eight. I don't know if it's eight exactly, or a little bit over eight. It's a little bit less because you have to, you know, it's it's halfway through the season, so it's not mm-hmm. the full eight. So, um, and Berkey's making, let's just say half. I think he's like four and a half. So he's say there, say for the sake of the argument, he's making half of what Giroux is. If they retain half his salary and then take Burkowski, that you know, problem solved. Uh, if they don't go for Berkey, you're probably gonna have to get a third team involved, likely Arizona, who inherits. Giroux retains the other half and then ships him out to Colorado. So that's how that's going to have to work. I mean, Berkey, I don't, that'd be interesting. It would be interesting. And you can pitch the promise of his potential and 
peaking where he is now and maybe he needs a fresh face in a fresh town maybe he can be something and he's on an expiring contract too Burkhoff. Mm-hmm. so i don't think the flyers are going to want to inherit him uh, if they don't have assurance that he's going to sign an extension with them which does he want to stay there does he want to go from the you know one of the top teams in the league to a rebuilding team i i don't know i don't know so he's interesting and and the other part of that is if they if the abs do inherit drew and don't give up burkowski which I don't see them doing that, but I mean, it is a, it is a good argument to have, or a good discussion to have. Where does Giroux go? I, I, does if Giroux is if they slot him into the second uh, line, mm. is that push Burkowski down, or is that push Nachuskin down? I would say it pushes Burkowski down. So if that's the case, maybe the Abs are kind of considering putting him in a deal. I don't know. I would just, if the Avalanche do, let's theoretically say we run the race and go all the way to the end and hoist Lord Stanley's Cup, Berkey's value goes up. So signing him in Colorado is not going to happen. So if you're going to trade him now, you could potentially, you know, kick the tires on just a cheap option and you could get him out that way. And if we do have Claude Giroux come in, maybe on that second line, Maybe three C. Yeah, I mean, he could go either one. Yeah, and not put him on the third line because he's not capable of of hanging with uh, this team. It just makes them that much stronger. It does, and that's where we're not scoring right now. Is right lines three and four. Right. I don't know. I see it as because Giroux and the Flyers are in agreement here that they that they're going to move. Like he wants to be moved. He wants to go win a cup or have a chance to and the flyers are willing to facilitate that i don't feel like that that's a different animal than a a a team trading someone like drew say it was reversed where drew said he didn't want to go but the flyers are like tough we're getting rid of you because we're rebuilding we want to get something for you that's different than what they're both going they're both agreeing here and because of that because they want to appease Giroux. I don't feel like they're going to want a ton back for him. Yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Like, I think they're just, they're going to, they're going to want something. They're not just going to yeah. hand them over. Is it a first round? The first round would have to be next year. Uh, and I don't think they're going to want somebody like Burkowski. Burkowski can be very good for this team, obviously, but I don't feel like they're going to want someone of, of his high skill level. I think they will be okay with taking someone like Comfort or Jost and a promising prospect for Giroux and and because he's on an expiring contract. And and maybe, just maybe, he wins the maybe they, he he goes to the Avalanche, he wins the cup, and he satisfies satisfies that part of his resume. And then he can just go right back to Philly yeah. next year and and go back and say, I won it. You know what I mean? So I I think the abs are in a good spot here to not give up as much as what people are thinking they're going to have to give. Yeah, you could think about it the same way that Pellick and uh, uh, Paul Mary from the Devil's Islanders trade that happened last year, it was out of goodwill. Like, we're sending them to a contender because they don't deserve to be here. The same kind of logic is behind the Claude Giroux move. Like, they know he deserves to go somewhere 
where he can actually win something. And once he does, he could go back to Philly. So that's a great point right there. Yeah. So um, we'll see. I just I get the feeling that this is going to happen relatively soon. I think both parties want it to happen soon. Um, And the earlier you get it done, the more you can get acclimated to the team and have more of a a handful of games now rather than, you know, in another month when the trade deadline actually is here. So uh, we'll see. It's an exciting time. Or you could hold on to the very last minute and have Minnesota scrambling for their second, like their mm-hmm. next option. You can hold on to that and let everybody else scramble that thought they were getting Claude Giroux. They can wait and have to scramble before the deadline. That'd be funny. Yeah. So, all right, everyone. Uh, that's going to be it for today. Well, kind of. I mean, if you're listening to this in the morning, uh, hang tight until noon Mountain Time, 2 o'clock Eastern where uh, episode two of the day is going to drop crossover with Tony over at Locked On Vegas, uh, Vegas Golden Knights, that is, obviously. So very, very fun talk with uh, with Mr. Tony. He took the show over a few months ago, so yeah. uh, he, he's good. He's good people. Yeah. So we might not like the team, but uh, we like Tony. Tony's, Tony's cool. cool. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for today. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in and making it your first listen of the day. Uh, make your second listen of the day locked on Avalanche <laughs> in, in a couple of hours. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but you can also go over to Locked on NHL. They got a lot going on over there, including Olympic coverage, which is mm-hmm. uh, good stuff. So, all right. He is Mr. Shaggy Von Doom, Kyle Sullivan. I am Chris Maselli. And this is the Locked on Avalanche podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow. Go, Abs, go.